0: Young people historically have been, you know, their role or their views have been minimized and marginalized. So I think, you know, a lot of people think, oh, with their kids, what, you know, what the heck do they know? They don't have these life experiences. But what these kids all knew was that they were experiencing climate harms.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to At Home with Linda and Drew Scott.
2: A show where we chat with artists, experts, dreamers, and doers about the good that they're creating in the world.
1: Through these conversations, we get to learn about relationships with ourselves, our communities, and our planet.
2: We go beyond design and explore what home is all about.
1: And today we also have a very special co-host, our nephew, Will. This is At Home. hope everyone is having a great day. Climate week is well underway. And that's why today's episode is even more exciting. As you all know on at home, one of our core values is sharing and learning about the things that matter to us. And one of those things is learning about how we can just live healthier on this planet and sustain that for generations to come. So this episode is going to spotlight two amazing change makers. It's so weird not having Drewby here with me to banter. What would we usually talk about? We would talk about picking cuticles, what we ate probably. <laughs> He'll be here soon with Will. We've had a great week. We had some downtime and got to see some family and wrapped up a show in Calgary. So it was super exciting to, to get to see friends there. Today on At Home, we are highlighting Youth VGov, a powerful and moving documentary that follows 21 courageous youth as they take on the world's most powerful government. We are so grateful to be able to speak with Christy Cooper, the film's producer and director, and Kelsey Juliana, climate activist, whose name is on the lawsuit, Juliana VGov. Christy Cooper is a PhD scientist, documentary filmmaker, and Emmy Award-winning cinematographer. And she focuses her storytelling and narratives on issues of justice and impact by creating human connections. And when you watch this film, I say when because you will, um, you will see that this is not a political issue; it is a human issue when it comes to the climate crisis. And Kelsey Juliana is a courageous, creative change maker and climate activist. She started her work at the age of eight, but really earlier. She was really born to do this, and you'll hear her story later. Without further ado, this is Christy Cooper and Kelsey Juliana.
2: Okay, if ADT wasn't professional enough, now ADT installs Google Nest products with their smart home security systems because ADT believes the smarter the home, the safer the security.
1: I mean, what are they going to do next? They're, they're going to start a country singing career
2: I would listen to a country band named ADT also I like to know what's happening at our front door from virtually anywhere with my Google Nest doorbell just saying your
1: Google Nest doorbell I said our he said my everybody check that yeah all right well I like to control my ADT smart devices like my lights my locks
2: (laughs) my security system with Google Nest speakers and displays
1: and I like to say hey Google to get started
2: Listen, I said ours. I'm all about ours, not mine. (laughs) Help protect what matters most with all this, plus 24-7 professional monitoring from ADT and a little help from Google.
1: Visit ADT.com to see how ADT can help make your home smarter and safer.
2: Christy, let's back all the way up to the start of your passion and your push for this project.
0: I guess my passion or my connection to this project goes back, like, prior to Youth or prior to me working on this. And it actually goes back to earlier work that I did with Kelsey. I met Kelsey when she was 15. um, So in 2011, and at that time, Kelsey was suing the state of Oregon. Um, She was part of this like very fresh angle on climate litigation. Um, Julia Olson, who runs our Children's Trust, had filed legal legal actions in every state across the country on Mother's Day of that year in 2011. Mm -hmm. And Kelsey was one of those very first plaintiffs who were suing their state governments. And I came onto a project through Witness, a social justice, human rights organization, Peter Gabriel's company. And we did a series of 10 short films focused on these young people, Kelsey being one of them, Chitescott Martinez from Boulder being another. So it was really interesting, you know, starting out this work with Kelsey and her parents being very... Um, cautious and protective and understandably. And Kelsey just being like, no, this is what I want to do. And so Kelsey was really an inspiration for me 10 years ago. And I think through the work of working on these 10 short films, um, it, it showed to me, and you know, we got those films into the courtrooms. They were used as evidence in the cases because they were based on, on the kids' um, standing declarations. So we were able to submit them as part of their case materials. We got them hand-delivered to President Obama. Um, We had, at the time, Gina McCarthy, interesting enough, who was the head of the EPA at the time, actually reached out to us and asked if she could purchase one of the films. We had to let her know that she was a defendant on the case. (laughs) Um, So it was, you know, that was a really interesting time, but I, I was so blown away by the power of the youth voice. And the power that these young people had in persuading people and influencing them and, and like getting to those heartstrings in a way that I think adult activists are not able to do. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh-huh. And before we go any deeper, can either of you or both of you just give us a rundown, give our listeners a rundown of what Youth VGov
0: is all about? Do you want to do that, Kelsey, or do you want me to? You go for it, Christy. You gives a feature documentary, and it's focused on 21 young people from across the country who sued the US federal government for violating their constitutional rights to a healthy climate. And the story follows these young people through their journey in the court case, as well as taking a deep dive 60 years back into understanding what the government has known about greenhouse gases and the actions that they took in locking us into a fossil fuel-based energy system, But the heart of the story is really about these young people and um, their impacts and their journey and their motivations.
2: Kelsey, you must have a million people that say to you, "Okay, suing the government. I mean, seriously, how how do you even start? What I don't understand what's going on here. Were you nervous being the plaintiff that everyone sees your face? And this is a huge movement against the most powerful entity most people would say in the world. What was going through your mind at the time just as a little kid and, and even now at 25?
3: Well, I was one of those people who was like, a kid can sue the government. And I was 15 at the time when I was asking those questions. Um, and I was frustrated that I wasn't, didn't seem to be taken seriously by my peers and definitely not by adults um, for wanting to address climate change, just locally, even um, even in my city. And it was the inspiration from a fellow peer an, a fellow teenager at the time who was uh, part of this movement you speak of, who had signed on to um, take legal action in his home state of California. And I had been following his work for a couple of years and was part of an organization he started when he was, you know, 12 um, called I Matter. And that was a iMatter organization was one of the first organizations that I plugged into and and really felt like, oh my gosh, yes, it was this amazing idea at the time that, you know, wow, I'm a young person, I'm, you know, I don't really have any rights in front of the law, and yet why should my voice matter any less, why should my life, um, my right to a livable future be any less important than those who are putting into policy the decisions that will impact that future. And that's when I first took legal action at 15 against my state of Oregon. And then from there, fast forward a couple of years later in filing the federal case, Juliana v. U.S., um, I think there's a couple strategic reasons why I was the named plaintiff, why it is Juliana my last name versus the United States. You know, several reasons. Logistically, I would, I'm oldest. It was in my home, the city I was born in. It's definitely like I am a co-plaintiff of 21, um, this isn't my case. And I think people get confused.
1: I'm the name plaintiff, but not the lead plaintiff. We are all equally at the same mm-hmm. playing field. You know, there's so much talk about mental health in the face of climate crises. Um, so can you talk about how you manage that? Thank
3: you so much for that question. I, I'm i so happy that that is something that is a question that people care to ask and care to Listen to. Uh, I had a therapy appointment a couple hours ago today. Mental health is something that is a very real struggle with people in the younger generations who are, whether or not we're even cognizant of what we're we're dealing with, we are feeling the existential crisis of climate change. The reality is that when we talk about sustainability, we're trying to be sustainable. We're trying to push for sustainability in, in you know, legislation and litigation and uh, city planning in our homes. We also need to think about sustainability in our bodies, in our minds.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: That has been the hardest thing for me, even when I was younger, to grapple with. I could think about how we need to push for system wide sustainability efforts. But the idea of taking time to care about my own sustainability was coupled with shame, guilt, frustration, this furthering mm-hmm. this idea that like there's not enough time, there's not enough time, there's not enough time. And so it has been a journey of just kind of allowing myself time and space and taking pauses. And I think Mm -hmm. ultimately, if we're talking about sustainability, like if you need to press pause to then ultimately continue later on, then that's Mm -hmm. better than, you know, completely ejecting.
2: That is really great advice for anyone, I think, is that idea of it's not failing just to pause. It's not failing at something just to pause for a bit and take a breath and check in with yourself to make sure you're in a healthy position to keep moving forward. So I I actually I really love that. Yeah. Christy, from your perspective, directing uh, the film and working with so many kids, what was your view as one of the adults in the group? to be able to see the pressure that some of these kids are under and to see how the kids were reacting and how they were able to cope and support each other through this process.
0: You know, I think unfortunately, uh, young people historically have been kind of that, you know, their role or their um, views have been minimized and marginalized. And so I think, uh, you know, a lot of people think over their kids, What you know, what the heck do they know? They don't have these life experiences, but what these kids all knew was that they were experiencing climate harms and that they were experiencing these impacts. And that's really, at the time, that was really all that mattered, is that they they knew that and they embodied that. But it's been, you know, it's been really interesting seeing them grow through this. And, you know, when they first all came together on the Giuliana case, none of them knew each other. I think Kelsey knew a few of the the younger plaintiffs from the Eugene mm-hmm. area that she had um, taught, you know, at camp and had brought into the case. But the vast majority of the kids didn't know each other. And they came into this space, you know, really like from really different places and really different backgrounds and different ages. And it was amazing to see how this common goal that they had and this common experience really united this group of kids to the, you know, to the point that I think they would all consider each other family. Do they really relied on each other? I think more than anything else through, throughout this period, because they knew that no one else really in the world was going through what they were going through, mm-hmm. you know, these 21 kids on this in the spotlight and being under pressure from their government and also fa- just facing that, like, just facing that fact of knowing that your government is fi- fighting so hard <laughs> against yeah. you, fighting so hard to make sure your voice isn't heard, I think was was really hard for them. And I think Kelsey can attest to how important that, like that communal space, was for them and the the times that they came together to play and to eat and to laugh and cry and to to have these experiences together. Mm-hmm. I think was was probably some of the most important part of them being a group.
2: Yeah. Well, you need that support. Kelsey, did you have anyone aside from the other plaintiffs? Did you have anyone in your family or circle of influence at home that was totally against what you were trying to do? Or did you find you really had a built-in community of trust and support?
3: I think I was, I'm one of the potentially few, very lucky to have a really good, solid foundation of support. And, you know, There are family members that voted for uh, people, individuals Mm -hmm. who are, I mean, completely furthering the destabilization of our climate. We'll just say that. So not even against Mm -hmm. my work, but just against the collective (laughs) survivability of all of us. Mm -hmm. And that is frustrating. And yet they would, you know, give me a pat on the back and say, we're so proud of you. So, Mm.
0: But there were some of you guys, like, you know, as you see it, see in the film, like Vic's dad, is is not he doesn't even believe in climate change. He yeah. he had a really hard time wrapping his head around what Vic stood for and who Vic is as a person himself. And
2: and um, and, and Vic that is a very intelligent man too. You can tell from the right. film. And so it's really interesting for someone who is that intelligent to still have views that um, are opposing what is. It's scientific proof of what's happening. It's not like it's just made up uh, about what's happening to our planet.
1: Even though Vic and his dad disagreed on so many things, I think it was beautiful to just see them have that conversation. And I'm sure it was, you know, emotionally tense, but it was a very calm conversation that was shown. And I think that is an example of what we
0: can have with people that we disagree with. Absolutely. Vic's a really great listener. (laughs) And he's incredibly empathic and generous with other people's views. And I I definitely learned a lot from him and seeing how he engaged with his his dad and with someone who doesn't who's, you know, so opposed to who he is and what he believes in. You know, back kind of back to your question around them being challenged or what it was like for me as an adult to see to see that experience for them. I mean, often it was it was kind of heartbreaking to see social media comments or people just not being very nice and, Mm -hmm. you know, marginalizing their voice and not, not giving them the benefit of the doubt or the credit that they're all doing this because they want to. And because they truly believe in this and um, they they think it's the right thing to do.
2: Kelsey, what do you find is the best way for you to get through to somebody, your message? Because some people take a, a, a path of doom and gloom. Some people take, take a path of there is still hope how do you connect with somebody who has a differing view to try and bring them over to, to realize what you're, what you're after?
3: Uh, I, I'm definitely a very still hope um, mindset, probably because the doom and gloom affects me. There have been times where, I, you know, I've taken the bait and it's been scary to find the light mm-hmm. um, and find the hopefulness. And so I tend to stick to the hopefulness, to the 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 idea that in courtroom dramas, it's the defendants versus the plaintiffs, and they're pointing, and they're shouting, and they're like ah, oh. you know, <laughs> it's it's you're trying. Someone is going to be the ultimate victor, and I mean, yeah, that's true here. Like we are, you know, quote unquote, fighting against the government right now. Um, but I think the better view. Of what we're trying to do is the idea of creating and the idea of working for something rather than fighting against something. Um, again, this goes back to the principle of sustainability.
1: And the whole purpose of, of, of this case is that you're all working towards a world that can sustain everyone's future. It's not just yours. So it, it really is not an argument but an opportunity for co-creation for a better future.
2: Congratulations for being recognized as Americans who tell the truth collection. I want to know what that is if you want to tell the listeners and everybody what that is.
1: Okay
3: going back to the whole principle of joy going back to the principle of sustainability its ultimate long-term goal blah 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 I love how things tie together this is so exciting for me. (laughs) My dad is a (laughs) sociologist and he's a phenomenal lecturer and so We have a lot of stories that have a lot of loopholes, but they all come back. And I love it when I do that myself. (laughs) Anyways, yeah. So Americans Who Tell the Truth is a collection of work that was started, I believe, actually after 9-11. And they were started by, hold on. This is my portrait. Oh my goodness. This is what they look like. So I know you won't hear this, but you you will see this here. Um, So they're beautiful paint uh, portraits done by, a man named Rob and self taught painter. Um, and he, after 9 11, he just felt really hopeless and he just needed to know the truth. And so he sought American truth tellers, American um, revolutionaries. At that time it were mostly historical figures and he would paint their portrait and include a quote or something about them and it was sort of started as his own beacon of light and hope and truth mm-hmm. and it grew and grew and grew and it includes of course now contemporary individuals and all different ages all different missions a lot of peace activists disability rights activists Course, climate activists, teachers, healthcare workers, etc. It's an amazing collection of work. And I first learned about it in eighth grade when I was studying American history. And our class wrote and performed a play called Truth Be Told based oh on his goodness. body of work. Several years later, he gives me a call and says, Hey, I'm not sure if you know who I am or what <laughs> I do, but this is the project and I'd love to have you part of it. And I just started crying. Oh I, I knew the project and I knew at the time that I was a student, it so wasn't a lot of young people included. And it was mostly historical figures because it was a bit older at that time. And so really amazing. Like the work that was a foundation for me, uh, a basis that these are the types of people that I want to be. This is the type of work that I want to do. This type of mission that I want to carry on was
2: mm-hmm. then
3: later presented to me as
2: Christy, you must be proud. I mean, to see someone from their young teenage years to continue to blossom and make a difference in this world and everything that she does.
0: I am absolutely proud of, of Kelsey and all of these kids. Absolutely. Kelsey has really been like a, a, a beacon for me. I was It was really interesting when I was listening to the podcast interview you did with um, Gina McCarthy, and she was talking mm-hmm. about... She's that she considers herself a climate optimist, and I, that really resonated with me because I think all these kids are climate optimists, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and the work that they're doing. And Kelsey Kelsey definitely embodies that. Absolutely yeah. proud. I she's always called me her climate mama, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I do I do definitely have some mothering, um, older sister, aunt, some kind of like you know caretaking. Proud yeah. feeling
2: about her. Christy, can you tell us um, from your perspective? Because you guys have done a lot of research, and you, you know, you're, you probably have more knowledge than most people out there. What are some of the biggest concerns right now when we look at climate, climate change?
0: Well, obviously, the urgency around um, what we're facing, I think, is is probably one of the biggest challenges that we face right now. Is that, you know, I think for a long time people thought climate change was something in the far off distance, mm-hmm. and I think this summer, if anything, has shown us that it's here (laughs) and it's it's here now and the conversations around 2030 being kind of the the year to reckon with I I think that's already here and I think it's here sooner than the scientists had had kind of predicted Mm -hmm. and thought you know I think for a long time the, the the conversations always been around personal responsibility and personal behavior, and that you know that we all as individuals have this big responsibility to kind of clean up clean up the mess and you know recycle and reuse and ride our bikes and you know eat vegetarian and all of these things. Like the onus is on us as as individuals. And I think what we what we now know, and certainly the research that I've done on this film and um, the time that I spent in this story, it's incredibly clear to me. That, that those are all important things to do and we should all mm-hmm. be doing that simply because I think our quality of life will be better. But more importantly, we need systemic changes and those yeah. individual actions that we take are drops in the bucket compared yeah. to what we actually really need to change. You know, the research that, I, that we dug into made it so apparent to me the responsibility and the role of the government and I think a lot of people don't really understand that. And you know I, I, yes, of course, the fossil fuel companies are are it's horrible, the atrocities that they've that they've brought in this world. but but really, when you really think about it and you do the research and you understand who let them do what they're doing,
2: yeah.
0: I think that kind of changes your your perspective a little bit on the climate yeah. crisis. And I think it helps to shift the conversation and the solutions to where they actually should be, which is within within our system and within our government.
2: I think that there there, there is slowly becoming a better understanding of people that are trying to understand how to read between the lines when there are certain policies that are trying to be put, pushed through. And you read through the bill or you read through all the details and you see there's something hidden in all that text that basically negates everything they're talking about for positive climate change and then puts the power back into a monopoly or or some some fossil fuel company. I hope that we continue to move in a direction that doesn't have to be this versus this, red versus blue. It just has to be us and what's best for all of us versus what is not good for all of us.
1: Which I think you're... you're story I'll right yeah. illustrates so beautifully that it's not a partisan issue mm-hmm. it's when you look at the diversity of of the 21 youth it is clear that this is happening all across the country right in our own backyards mm-hmm. you mentioned a few times research um, can you talk about how your background in science has helped you with being able to tell this story artfully and also factually
0: yeah i think i think probably my background is a, as a scientist probably instilled a little bit of OCD in me, uh, you know, in terms of, of how I went about telling this story. Lots of books, um, lots of interviews with experts. The plaintiffs have really amazing experts working on this case. And I was able to dig into all of their material that will be presented in the courtroom if they ever get to trial. And, you know, I think I, I just took a real methodical approach to this and went through the decades and and went back historically to try to have an an understanding of like where did this all go wrong where did where were these decisions or points in our history where things could have been different and we, we we chose a different path and i really wanted to understand that from for myself you know to so that i could relay that in the story and 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 kind of understand how we got it's, it's not one person's decision it's not one person's actions this is a you know a collective of choices and outside influences that were happening you know the Mm -hmm. storms and oil crises and wars and you know so many so many factors that have played a role I think I just wanted to really be as thorough as possible um, and to educate as much as possible with this film while still making it digestible and and really making the the youth be the heart of the story and that Mm. human connection.
2: It was really cool to see that it wasn't just kids that, you know, they're used to being in front of a camera and they're very well-spoken, even though Kelsey, you're amazing. You're, You're an amazing public speaker. But not all the kids were. They're just everyday kids coming from real situations around around the country. And that is one of the most impactful things to me because I think it goes to show, it, 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 go, it would empower other kids out there that might be too shy to speak up or use their voice and say, well, well hey, if these kids can do it, I can do this. Or
1: too young. Like yeah. when you see Levi, who was how old at the time Eat. you started?
2: Yeah. I think it, it's pretty, it's really inspiring. So... We love what you've already you've done for us and you've inspired us and our nephew as well. Who is here and would like to ask you a question? Will are you ready? Will do you want to ask a question? Come Come on over. (laughs) All right, come right in here with me. Here, sit right in here, yeah. All right. This is Will. And he has very hard hitting questions for you. Hi, Will. Hi. So um how um how are you gonna save the community and how can we help? Who wants to start? (laughs) Kelsey?
3: Thank you for that question, Will. Um, That's a really important question. How can we save the community? Well, I have to say, Will, when I was about your age, I asked the same thing for the place that I live in Oregon. And when I asked that question, I actually asked it of my parents. I asked it of my siblings. I asked it of my teachers. I asked it of my soccer coach. But I also asked it of myself. And I said, how do I want to change the community? Do I want to do it by creating art? Do I want to do it by researching different things that are happening in my community and talking about it with others? Do I want to do it by going door to door and asking what are the resources that my neighborhood has that we can bring together to make a positive impact? So I love that question. And I think if you ask that for yourself, and if we all ask that for ourselves, what is something that not only we should do for our community, but what is something that I can do for my community and that I want to do? What do I like to do? What makes me happy at the end of the day? That's what I did with climate change. And guess what? I really like to make an impact by talking with kids, working with people, working with families. And that's why I'm pursuing being a teacher, because I want to do that for the rest of my life. And I want, I want to do that in my community.
2: That's pretty amazing. Well, and that's a great way to inspire people too. Being a teacher, Chris, any advice for the future leaders here?
0: Well, I love that question. Will too, and I love that you that you care about your community. I think it's really helpful. You know, I think Kelsey would say that this was really helpful for her too when she was your age, is to find other kids, you know, who feel the same way that you do. And to like form, you know, form those groups with your friends and talk about what you care about and what you want to change and find those adults, whether it's your parents or your teachers or your babysitters or your coaches, like find those adults who want to support you and ask them for help and ask them, you know, to drive you to go to speak to your representatives so that you can testify or, help you mail your letter, you know, for your petition that you want to do or help you figure out how to get solar panels onto your school. Like it's, you know, this is about helping our community is about community. It's about finding those people within your community that you can work together with and that you can find resources together. And, you know, it's, it's, it's fun. It's more fun that way to do it with Mm -hmm. your friends and to do it with the people that you love.
2: Thank you so much for the for the advice for Will. And right, for so
0: all think. of us. Should we do so a speed round you. now? Do you
2: want to stay here for this? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to get Will to ask the first one. At Will?
1: What meals
2: makes you feel at home and who cooked it?
3: Pasta with slow roasted tomatoes and olive oil in my garden as mm-hmm. the pasta sauce. And then a fresh thing of bread warmed up in the oven after you turn it off, drizzled with olive oil and some fresh sea salt. And then a side of arugula fennel mint salad with a white wine vinaigrette.
0: Oh my god. Who made made your house?
3: My mom cooks it and then I cooked it. And then I show other people how to cook it.
2: Amazing. (laughs) We'll take the recipe. We'll take it because we like to we like to cook, right? Will's dad is quite the chef. And so we all like to cook. Mm. Mm-hmm. All right, Lindy.
0: All right. Uh, Christy, did you have one? I would say, um, well, there's a, I guess, a tradition that we have in this house. Every Friday night, we make homemade pizzas um, and we have a nice sourdough um, that mm. cold ferments for three days before. And we make our own pizza sauce from our tomatoes from our garden every year so we like to pop those out and get some fresh fresh uh, mushrooms out and similar to kelsey we <laughs> harvest a lot of arugula from our garden and beets and i like to roast oh. the beets and put goat cheese on and make a nice cocktail to go along oh, with it
2: wow. <laughs> we need to like have a, a potluck we're coming over <laughs> for the next one
3: christy is a chef I'm oh saying, you are oh Christine. okay.
1: The best, one of the best cooks I've ever. <laughs> Dinner at Christie's. At
2: some point, we're going to get together. Dinner at Christie's, that, that should be yeah. a movie. Uh, I was going to say, we did a pizza night a week ago, uh, and Will was the maitre d', and his dad was the pizza chef, and and Will had a menu that he went around and got everybody's order. It was six different choices of pizza. Yum. That's pretty good. Oh, my yeah. God. All right, so here's one. What smell, Kelsey, reminds you of home?
3: Nutmeg. Oh,
2: wow.
3: And rosemary from the garden we have a lot of cheese in my house so nutmeg Mm -hmm. my family is italian so we do a lot of sauces and nutmeg is essential for those
2: Mm. yeah
3: and um one last thing would be daphne because my mom has a daphne bush right outside her front door and daphne blooms in the end of winter and it's the first thing you smell and you're kind of like oh that's right spring's coming soon Mm. oh
2: nice Christy?
0: I would definitely say pine, the, the scent of pine. I grew up in Colorado and that I still, whenever I go back to, I mean, I live in Montana now, but there's some smell about Colorado that always smells like home to me. And it's something about that high desert heat, the dry, the pine, I can smell it in the air. And that always makes me feel like I'm home. What's your perfect Sunday morning at home? Our perfect Sunday morning is is uh, waking up early and taking our two big Newfoundlands um, for a long walk and coming home and making a nice brunch together oh, and nice. listening to left, right, and center. We like to listen to left, right, and center every Sunday morning. <laughs> <laughs>
2: nice.
3: Wow, mine's almost the same. Getting a good early start to the day, getting our cup of tea or coffee, and then taking, we have two dogs, taking the two dogs out for a little walk and then coming back and maybe playing, playing a... Uh, Card game, or just hanging out, having nice. a late breakfast, nice. gardening okay. usually. Mm. Hey
2: Will, what's your what's your perfect Sunday morning? My perfect Sunday morning is waking up and having some breakfast. Mm-hmm. Cooked by you or your dad, dad. or your mom? Dad. Waffles. Uh, Mom. And slow so, Sundays with Linda. We have a
0: food theme going on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Definitely. All right. Uh, what do we got? What, two more questions. Name three things on your bedside table, Kelsey.
3: I have um, an amber candle, scented candle. Um, I have a stack of books, and I have a rose water spray.
0: Mm. Oh, nice. I have a box of essential oils. Um, a little, one of those like rice heating pads that you heat up in the microwave um, and my stack of books. Nice. Very similar. (laughs) We have one last question. Uh, What is a memorable growth moment? I've had a lot of growth moments. I definitely think leaving science and stepping into the film world, and that all coincided with leaving my home in Sweden and moving to the U.S., leaving my academic career and going back to school. Yeah. It was like, it was, it was a huge career or a huge um, growth moment for me in my life. Mm
3: -hmm. I, I, I'm struggling with this one. I think maybe the big growth moment for me would be about a year and a half into my, into college. I deferred the first term of school and then about a year and a half in, I realized I had three court hearings in one ter- in in the fall in one fall and it just wasn't realistic to fly from North Carolina where I was going to school back to Eugene three times in one term. So I decided I'd take a little pause from school. Um, and then I realized, you know what, it's just it's better for me to be here and I'm gonna really devote myself to this to being here and being present and making the most of this experience um, and amplifying what I'm doing as best I can. And so I took a pause from school and it took me seven years to, to finish my undergraduate degree. I just graduated. And that was a big learning moment is that making that decision that, you know what, this is also an education. And just because I always dreamed about going to school and I couldn't wait to go to college doesn't mean that it, it can't happen. It can just happen a different way.
2: Mm-hmm. And, and by the way, you have a nonprofit environmental organization you've been working with. Can you tell us about that?
3: Oh, I would like to plug um, the organization FUSI, Firefighters United for Safety, Ethics, and Ecology. Here out in the West, we're experiencing, you know, longer than ever before wildfire seasons and pretty intense smoke. And FUSI helps to educate the public and inform firefighters about how to ecologically work on wildfire, wildland fire management. And they're a great organization. And I am working with them right
2: now. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll share a link in the show notes as well so that people see. And Christy, last, is there anything else that we can share about Youth versus Gov so people can follow your journey?
0: Yeah, people can um, definitely go to youthvgovfilm.com and sign up. Um, on our website and um, we're, we're getting ready to launch our impact campaign. So we would love for people to join there so that we can keep them up to date with actions and ways that they can plug in it would be wonderful. And if people would like to learn more about the Juliana case, they can go to ourchildrenstrust.org. That's the legal nonprofit that, that is representing these young people. And yeah, we just really look forward to people reaching out and staying involved and, and wanting to learn more about the
2: case. Well, thank you so much for taking the time thank to chat with so us. Thank you so much. You are inspiring us and we will continue to follow the, the journey.
0: Oh my gosh, well, thanks so much for this this time. It was so fun to have this conversation with you guys. <laughs>
1: Thank you so much for listening and joining us in this amazing conversation. You can find out more information about the film at youthvgovfilm.com. And they will be showing the film at the Hollywood Climate Summit. We'll provide all the links in our show notes. And please follow their journey on social media at youthvgov.film
2: and a huge thank you to our homies, Brandon Angelino
1: Annalie Bell,
2: Hannah Fan,
1: Courtney Ioannis,
2: West Friend
1: Chris Cobain,
2: Jessica Bryant Harvey
1: and Nicole Schachter
2: our theme music for At Home is by Victoria Shaw and Chad Carlson,
1: and music is composed and produced by Rick Russo
2: thank you so much for listening, and if you do enjoy our podcast, be sure to subscribe and rate us always rate us, we love you rating and commenting
1: yeah, we actually like your feedback and to you, thank you.
2: Thank you. Love you. Love you. ADT now professionally installs Google Nest products with their smart home security systems because ADT is awesome and believes that the smarter the home, the safer the security.
1: I can't wait to see what they do next.
2: They're going to put Google Nest doorbells on the moon.
1: (laughs) Actually,
2: i like to know what's happening at our front door from virtually anywhere with our Google Nest doorbell.
1: I do love how when we're out at dinner, we can see exactly what's going on at the front door.
2: And we can control our ADT smart devices like... Lights, locks, the security system with Google Nest speakers and displays.
1: Mm -hmm. All you have to say is, hey, Google, to get started.
2: Well, I think it's great for people to help protect what matters most with all of this. Plus, 24-7 professional monitoring from ADT and a little help from Google.
1: Visit ADT.com to see how ADT can help make your home smarter and safer.
2: Hey, Google.